John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. Hey, John, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, Ed. It's a, it's a good day. Cool. Where are you recording from, John? I am again mm-hmm. in the basement in West Seattle. Beautiful. Love it. West Seattle. I am also in a basement in West Seattle, three blocks away. Yep. I'm in, I guess, the High Gain West. Would that make me High Gain East or High Gain Central? High Gain Prime. Oh, Prime. Yeah. Like Amazon. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. I figured you'd be thinking that. Yeah, yeah. What are we going to talk about today, John? Oh, man, we got a guitar to talk about today that is uh, in the nutty category. I love it when we talk about nutty guitars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of a nutty one-off that is pretty fun. Cool. I'm ready for that. You feeling all right? I'm feeling pretty good. Kind of a vague time check on where we are. Yes. Fall. 2020. Yes. COVID still going on. Yes. We're still hunkered down. It's lawless here in beautiful West Seattle. Oh, yeah. I woke up and had lawless orange juice and cereal. Mm hmm. Yep. The most lawless behavior I have seen is Seattle PD. Fairly uncool dudes. What do you think of that, John? Let's see if we could soften their game a little. <laughs> How are we going to do that? I've just closed my eyes again. Climbed aboard the dream weaver train. Driver, take away my worries of today. Tomorrow behind Oh, 
beverages. What do you think of that? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. That song is pretty great. What is it? Is that Yacht Rock? I think it counts as Yacht Rock. Yeah. Does it? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. 1976, that was Gary Wright, Dreamweaver. Is he one hit wonder dude? Gary Wright? I don't even know that name. That might be his biggest hit, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. The part that goes. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Dreamweaver. He played piano on George Harrison's All Things Must Pass 1970 triple album. Everybody played on that. Yeah. A young 19, 20-year-old Phil Collins. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Wow. I think George was like, I'm going to make this big album. Anybody who wants to play, come on over. Yeah, that's cool. Everybody's on that. Including Dreamweaver himself, Gary Wright. Yeah. Oh, no, John. What? Oh, no. Uh-oh. What? Cresskill, New Jersey. He's from New Jersey? He's a Jersey boy. He was a child actor. He made his TV debut at age seven on Captain Video and his Video Rangers. You know about that? Nope. He was in the 1954 Broadway production of Fanny, and his mom in Fanny was uh, Florence Henderson. Mrs. Brady? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <sighs> yeah. Obviously, we are going to have to correct these misperceptions we've had. About Gary Wright? Well, yeah. I mean, like, we thought, oh, one-hit wonder. He was on the Ed Sullivan Show? The Dreamweaver himself. Way to go. Cool. Well, as long as we're going to talk about things that need correcting, yeah, we've gotten several <laughs> emails now, so we need to officially embarrass ourselves, Ed. Well, whatever. A while back, we did a custom shop Jaguar. Mm-hmm. That Jaguar was a faded out green color that once upon a time would have been Lake Placid Blue. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the line, we mistakenly called it Pelham Blue, which is what Gibson used, not Fender. But I think we just started repeating it back and forth until it became just the entire episode of us calling a Fender guitar Pelham Blue. Yeah. We both know the difference, but that does not discount our dumbassery. And, you know, we get it. <laughs> we made a mistake. We're dumb that way. Okay. <laughs> Let us know when we make mistakes. But eighth email in telling us we're stupid, we get it. Okay. <laughs> Message received. Hey, have you ever heard of Bernie Cornbloom? Nope. Did he play with Gary Wright? No, he didn't. Okay. I'd like to tell you about Bernie, but first, you know, I gotta know what you're drinking, Ed. Oh, beverages. Yeah. I'm having just a straight up soy latte that I made myself. What do you think of that? Did you make it with a machine? We got one of those milk frother things. Ooh. It's got a little centrifugal force thing, you know, so it just spins the milk until it just gets all heated up and frothy. Kind of like a blood sample. Exactly like a blood sample. It's a centrifuge for soy milk. Yeah. Nice. And blood. What about you? What do you got? I have the sparkly water again. Okay. Turns out this bubbly stuff, B-U-B-L-Y, comes in lots of interesting, good-tasting flavors. Okay. I have peach this time. How is that? It's very delicious, I must say. And backed up, of course, by the coffee. Sure. 
we were interviewed for another podcast this morning. Yeah. Woke up bright and early and had a phone call from the old country. Our man Ben over at the So Very Creative podcast Mm -hmm. decided that he wanted to talk to us for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why. And he's over there in the United Kingdom. Yeah. It was fun. It was another excuse for us to talk about ourselves. Great. (laughs) Like, (laughs) perfect. You want to know about Bernie Cornblum? Oh, yeah. Totally. In 1920, way back in the old times, Mm -hmm. our man Bernie Cornblum, who's at that point 20 years old, leaves Vienna, Austria, and comes to St. Louis. Great. Now he needs a job. He finds work as a necktie salesman. Mm. Bernard Cornblum knows how to sell a tie, apparently. Great. But he sees a newspaper ad. There's a shipment of musical instruments and accessories coming over from Germany. And he just kind of makes passing note of that until the exchange rates tank and the shipment ends up stranded. So our man Bernie scrapes together the money and buys all of it and does the legwork to sell all these instruments to retailers. What were they? Banjos, ukuleles, instruments of the day. Okay. Bernie made a little bit of money. Sure. He quits the tie game, man. Fuck this. I'm not selling ties. No. I'll sell music shit. I'll be like the distributor guy. Sure. I'll order it, and the stores can just come to me to get what they want. And that was a model that I guess wasn't happening too much then. Everybody was just buying direct from the manufacturer. Right. So he founds Cornbloom Brothers Music hmm. with his brother David and his sister Erna. Whoa. Cool. What are these three up to? Oh, no. All three of them are gone. But our man Bernie? Yeah. Born in 1900, died in 2000. 100 years old. Nice. All the time in the world, Bernie. That is crazy. Pre-airplane to man on moon. Pre-radio. Right. Pre-TV, pre-airplane, pre-World War One, World War Two, pre-internet, pre-all of it. Pretty good. There's a life. Meanwhile, he's just out there selling himself some banjos. Yeah. They do so well, they have to expand two times just by 1927. Bernie and his brother David are like, man, let's take this show on the road. So they go to Belgium and decide to make a headquarters for all the stuff they want to buy to ship back to America. Okay. They go over there in 29, while Erna, the sister, buys up a place called St. Louis Music Supply. Okay. At that point, Bernie and his brother are like, forget Cornbloom Brothers. Let's just change our name to St. Louis Music. I like that name better. Have you ever heard of them? Um, Spoiler alert, they're still around. Really? Yes. That is who produced the guitar I have in my hand, Ed. St. Louis Music Company? Yes. Weird. Under their house brand called Electra. Okay. That's what this is. A 1976 Electra MPC guitar. All right. During World War II, Bernie and his brother were like, let's go back home. Let's not be in Europe for this shit. Sure. So they came back home. Now we get into the brands that you and I are familiar with. They had Harmony, they had K, Zildjian Cymbals, all kinds of stuff. Uh, And they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. By 1961, Ed, Bernie's son Gene joins the company. Oh, great. And Gene loves rock and roll. (sighs) Hey, Pops, why don't we start distributing more than just, like, the grandpa guitars and stuff? Why don't we get, like, full-on drum kits? How about some amps, Dad? 
How about some electric guitars, Pops? Love this kid. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. By 71? Yeah. They're like, okay, electric guitars, let's do this. They start bringing in electric guitars from the Matsumoku factory in Japan. Got it. Cool. What do you want to call them? Uh, Our brand will be called Electra. What year is this? 71. The first model they did was a copy of the Dan Armstrong. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so you can get an Electra-branded plexiglass guitar that was like a Dan Armstrong. Cool. I don't think I've ever seen one. They did Rickenbacker basses. I mean, just like everybody at the time. Les Pauls, Fenders, just copying stuff. Yeah. Until, Ed, the head of the guitar department, this guy named Tom Presley. Okay. He partners with a local electronics kind of repair tech guy in the area. And it's like, hey, man, why don't we design something nobody else has ever done before? We'll make our own shaped guitar, and what's something cool and new we could do? This is 1975. Okay. Well, why don't we make a guitar that has its own effects built in? What do you mean? You know, like, instead of stomp boxes on the floor, it would be in the guitar. How would that work? What effects would be in the guitar? Well, I don't know. How about we make it so you could swap them out? It could be whatever effects you want whenever you want. That's what they did. There are more than just this guitar that has effects built in. That's right. I don't know that many of them had swappable effects. No. The designation that they put on these guitars was MPC. Okay. Modular Powered Circuit. Any MPC guitar that they made had a trap door in the back of it. You open up the trap door and there are two bays kind of in there that take cartridges, swappable cartridges. And the cartridges are a little smaller than an Atari cartridge, kind of look like one a little bit, and you plug them into the guitar. And then on the front of the guitar, you have a switch that turns them on and off, and a control that controls the parameters of the effect. I love it. And this uh, debuted at NAM in 1976. That's pretty great. So, I have here an MPC. This particular model is called the X710, commonly called the Outlaw. Who? Whenever I hear that, like, X designation like that, I kind of think fighter plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? There was a band uh, out of Tampa, Florida called The Outlaws, and they endorsed this particular model. So this is known as The Outlaw Guitar. Oh, it got the nickname The Outlaw because of the band, not the other way around? That's right. It's not officially The Outlaw. No, officially it is the X710. Oh, that's funny. It is double-horned, double-cutaway. It is a fancy boy. Yeah. It is neck through, not set neck, but neck all the way through the body. Okay. Solid mahogany, ebony fretboard, abalone inlays. Wow. Tortoise shell binding on the neck. This thing is crazy, Ed. Yeah. It's got two humbuckers that they call super magnaflux pickups, because they're super magnafluxy, apparently. <laughs> There's what they call a tone spectrum circuit, five positions. Position one is series in phase. One pickup sends its signal into the second pickup. The second position, neck pickup only. Third would be parallel. Fourth is bridge only. You can kind of hear that. Fifth is out of phase. 
By the way, the literature says that this out-of-phase setting, Ed, mm-hmm. quote, gives you a special funky harmonic presence. Oh, cool. Who doesn't want a special funky harmonic presence? Dummies. I've gone ahead and set something up, Ed. Okay. This is how this thing just sounds. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, meant to sound just kind of normal and consistent. Yeah. I've chosen two tone cartridges to slip in here, like we're playing a video game. I will show you the first one. Ooh. This is a phase cartridge. Yeah, that's cool. And the controlling knob for it controls the speed. That is a super serviceable phaser. Yeah, isn't it? That's great. The other one I have chosen is an envelope filter. Oh. I'm turn that on. Give <laughs> me the envelope filter and the phaser. All right. Do you have a distortion or a fuzz cartridge? I do. Do you want to hear that? If I were going to put two together, I would probably do like a fuzz and that phaser. Okay. I am just opening up the back hatch to show everybody how easy this is. I am pulling out the filter, which they call a filter follower. Ooh. Cool. I am putting in the dynamic fuzz cartridge. Hell yeah. And closing the hatch back up. Easy as that. Hit me. Now with the phaser. Yeah. That's your stoner rock band guitar right there. And the fuzz can go, you know, wherever you need it to go. So that's like turned as far down as the fuzz will go. Yep. Let's turn it all the way up. Put on some phase. Yeah. A little noisy, but... That's good. You want it a little noisy. Let them know you're here. What do you think of that, Ed? Just having both of those on board. I could see in the mid-70s that being pretty cool. Today, I don't know how useful that is. Didn't Built make a guitar that had some of the Old Blood stuff built in? Yeah, I think so. They're doing collaborations. Totally. You know what would be awesome is if you could go out and you could buy a Old Blood Dark Star, right? Right. In the MPC cartridge. That would be sick. Right. Then that guitar is a thing. But, you know, you're kind of locked to these 70s versions. So what becomes of this, Ed, this St. Louis Music MPC electric guitar? I don't think this guitar lasted any longer than the Atari 2600. Maybe a five-year run or something. 82. 82, I'm going to say. 81. Yeah. Good one. All the MPC guitars, these modules, are discontinued. Yeah. I guess people weren't into (laughs) plugging weird modules into their guitars. I don't want that shit put into my guitar. Next thing you know, they can hear your thoughts. 
Exactly. I don't want my guitar listening to me. No. No way. One good thing did come out of it, even if the guitar itself didn't last all that long. The sort of electronic guru behind it I mentioned briefly. Yeah. They were like, hey, you know, why don't you just come on board and work for us? Fire up our tech end of stuff and you can help us think of other shit to do. Okay. And that was the birth of St. Louis Music's electronics division. Okay. What should we do? We could do amps. You want to make an amplifier? Sure, man. Yeah. Gene Cornbloom. Mm-hmm. He goes shopping a lot. I guess he likes to shop. Sure. About 1978 or so, Gene is in the Crate and Barrel store. <laughs> Remember those stores? Sure. I think they still exist. Maybe. So Gene comes back and says to the guys at the newly formed St. Louis Music Electronics Division, hey, I got an idea. Let's put an amp inside a crate. What? Yeah, it'll look like a shipping crate, but it'll be an amplifier. Crate amps. That was the birth of crate amplifiers. Wow. By 1984, the Electra name is kind of floundering. Yeah. So they changed it to Electra Westone. <laughs> and then they shortened it to just Westone. And I've seen a couple of those guitars. Right now we're kind of in the butt rock time, mid 80s. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of pointy. Okay. And that's how that ends, Ed. Except for this side note. Yeah. Our guy, Gene. Yeah. Gene Kornblum, who brought the rock to St. Louis music. Right. The son. Yeah, the son in the early 60s. Yep. He himself has a son. Okay. And his name is Ted Kornblum. Okay. And Ted Kornblum is noted for bringing magnetone amps back into the world. No kidding. That's old Ted. Man, those magnetone amps. Oof. They're fantastic. Yeah. And that's Ted's doing. Well, way to go, Ted. Keeping it in the family. That's cool. The corn blooms, they know how to maybe get some stuff done. Yeah. Three generations. Yeah. All right. And that is the weird, wacky story of the Electra MPC guitars. I think you did a great job, John. Oh, thanks, Ed. <laughs> yeah. We need to welcome Ed Stephen B. Yeah. To Patreon, the High Gain Patreon family. Shout out to our guy, Stephen B. Bless. I'm putting my hands together doing a little bless up thing. Can you bless down? Patreon.com slash the high gain. Yeah, that's where you go if you want to join our man, Stephen B. Yeah. Membership has its rewards, Ed. Yeah, maybe go to Instagram, go to Twitter, go to Facebook. All the socials. Check us out. Keep those emails, comments coming. We don't mind being corrected. Lake Placid, Pelham, two different things. We got it. Yep, we got it. Cool. Okay, cool. Talk to you later, John. All right, later. Bye. Bye.